Hallelujah. 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 Father, we praise your name this morning. We exalt you. We worship you. We lift you up this morning. You are the righteous one, the holy one of Israel, and we adore you this morning. We honor you, Lord God. We adore you, Father. We exalt you this morning. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God, the one who sits on the throne, the righteous one, the holy one of Israel. We do lift you up this morning. We say yes to you this morning. Yes to your will this morning. Yes to your way this morning. Yes to whatever it is you want to do in our midst. Oh God, we just worship you this morning. We adore you, Lord God. We lift you above everything, Father. We lift you above even the circumstances that we find ourselves in right now. God, the world is in need of you right now. You're tearing down all the idols that we have put up before you, Father. And you are showing yourself as the I am. You are showing yourself as the one who will be whatever it is that we need you to be. If it's comfort, you are showing yourself as that. If it's healer, you are showing yourself as that. If it is peace, you are showing yourself as that. Father, you are the exalted one. And we lift up Jesus today. He said, if I be lifted up, he would do the drawing, Father. So we, as a body, as a collective body, lifting up the name of Jesus and glorifying him over everything that is going on today. You are the righteous judge. And when you decide to answer, you will answer. Father, we thank you for your presence today. Because as Moses said, we can do nothing without your presence. So we thank you that you're going to show yourself strong on our behalf. You are going to be, hallelujah, whatever it is, we need you to be. And we thank you. We set ourselves in agreement with your agenda. And everyone in agreement said, amen. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Good morning, Truth Center. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm glad that you've come to join us through YouTube or Facebook or wherever you're joining us. Thank you for joining us this morning. We just hope that you worship and praise the Lord wherever you are. Hallelujah, wherever you are. The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I be afraid? I will wait on you. I will wait on you. I will trust in you. I will trust in you. The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? Yeah. Whom shall I be afraid? I will wait. I will wait on you. Oh, I will trust in you. 
yeah. I will trust in you. I will remain confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord. I will remain, yeah. Confident in this, I will see the goodness of the Lord. The Lord is whom shall whom shall Oh Lord, my light and salvation. Whom shall fear? Whom shall be? I will wait, I will wait, I will wait on you, and I will trust for the rest of my life, I will remain, I will remain, I will remain, yeah, I will see the goodness of the Lord. Come on, Truth Center. I want you to sing this with me. Just declare this with me. We said our hope on you we set our hope on your love we set our hope on the one who is the everlasting god you are the everlasting god we set our hope we set our hope on you we set our hope on your love hope on the one who is the everlasting God. You are the everlasting God. We said our hope. We said our hope on you. We said our hope on your love. We said our hope on the one who is the everlasting, everlasting, everlasting God. You are the everlasting God. You are Lord of Lords. You are King of Kings. You're the great I am. You're the great I am. Oh, I say you are. Yes, you are. Lord, you are. You are the Prince of Peace. You are the Living Word. You are the Living God. Yes, you are. Lord, you are. You are the everlasting. You are the everlasting. of the Lord I will wait on you I will wait on you I will trust in you I will trust in you
am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost and he brought me, you know, his love for me. Oh, his love for me. Who oh, the sun sets free. Always oh, free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Realized he has ransomed his grace runs deep. While I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me. Yes, he died for me. The sun sets free, always oh, free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. In my father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. church good morning good morning we are blessed of the Lord it's a great time to be alive great time to be in the presence of God this morning thank God for the worship thank God for the prayer and everything that went on before and uh, we invite you we welcome you actually to our morning service here at True Center we're glad you could be online with us, those of you in your various places. We are so grateful that you've chosen this place to worship with us. I was online this morning and just kind of seeing where people are uh, connecting with us. We have a lot of friends in Guyana. We got some people out in California. It's really nice to see the people that are connecting with us to be a part of our service. We just bless the Lord that you're able to do that. Today, um, Family, I need to go and talk about some things today. We're, we're going to talk about the, the being unshakable. And one of the things we've, we've uh, discussed last week was out of Hebrews chapter 12. So if you would get your Bibles, get your writing utensils, get your computers, whatever it is, we need to take this time to really get into our word this morning and unpack what God has to say to us. Again, I am so grateful for this opportunity to share with you this morning. Um, been a good day, just looking forward to my time here with you. And every time I get a chance to come before the house, it's always an opportunity to bring the house together. 
And so I thank God for our wonderful congregation. Thank God for your faithfulness and all the things you all are doing. And I'm um, going to share a few things with you later on after I finish ministering about moving forward. And uh, just glad to have you. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Hallelujah. As, as usual, we often have technical issues. So I'm having one this morning, if you will bear with me. Hallelujah. Bless you, Lord. I see nothing on the screen, so let her know. This screen is black. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's get it all together so I can minister and flow the way I need to flow. Praise God. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 27 and 28. Let's talk to the Lord before we go into it. Father, we thank you for our time together. We thank you for what you're about to say to us. We need you. We need you more now than we ever did. And because of the times, God, the challenging times we live in, we need to be able to hear you clearly. And you speak in all kinds of ways. So today, we thank you for the opportunity to hear you in your word. Your word is your will to us. That's how you want us to live. That's how you want us to respond to you. So we thank you for the opportunity to, to dig into your word. And thank you, Lord God, for this gracious moment in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 27 through 28. Hebrews 12, verses 27 through 28. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, that have been made, things that have been made. In order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for, the, for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Because I teach in series format, there's sometimes that you need to catch what I said the last, in the last meeting to kind of know where we're going in this one. And so that's how it kind of works from time to time. We move from one thing to the next. So this is the second series, second um, uh, teaching in the series. And I kind of need you to, to kind of flow with me here because I'm going to just kind of abbreviate some things, review some things, and try to catch us up. This, this word was given by the Apostle Paul. What Paul was doing was referencing a time when God came down, spoke to Israel, shook the mountains, as his voice often did. But Paul used that as a reference to where God would be going in the future when he said, yet once more he's shaking again, and he's going to shake again. When he returns, he's going to shake heaven and earth. And when he shakes it, what cannot stand up to his shaking will fall apart. What can will remain. And so Apostle Paul is encouraging us to be grateful for the fact that we do have an unshakable kingdom, one that cannot be shaken. God is returning to establish, again, his earthly permanent kingdom. But until he does, he's placed it in our hearts. He's placed his kingdom in our hearts. So we have this life from God that really can't be shaken because the only thing that's left after it's all said and done are the things that come from God, the unshakable things, the intangibles that come from God. That's what's going to be left. But until that happens, we still have an unshakable kingdom. The kingdom is in us. The kingdom is in us. So we have a life that really can't be shaken. Last week, we determined Jesus' life was str as strong as it was 
because of the identity Christ made with the Father. The Father at his baptism says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Just like a father would affirm his son, God is affirming his son. And what powerful things that happen in a child's life when their father affirms them. And I went into that a little bit last week. But it is a powerful thing when a father says to his child, you've done well. That's my son. You know, my, we, my, this week was my granddaughter's birthday. She turned 13 years old. And her uncle said to her, she plays soccer, and she wears a t-shirt with the name Pettis on the back. Her uncle says to her, wear that name well. That's powerful because it does something to a child in terms of their identification with the name that they carry. Amen. So, so the powerful thing is identity strengthens what we, what we choose to identify with. It, it bears strength in our lives. What greater identity can we make than with the Father? One that can't be shaken. So we're only as strong in life as our identity. We're only as strong in life as our identity. It determines our capacity to do two things, to abuse and hurt, but also to love and heal. Everything about you is seated on your identity. Jesus built his life on the Father's words. His identity was rooted in the words of his Father. To keep God's word before you is to keep your life protected. Let me say that again. To keep the Father's words before you is to keep your life protected. So while that temptation was going on, and, and we talked a little bit about Satan taking Jesus, Jesus being led by the Holy Spirit into a mountain to be tempted 40 days of the devil. Satan walked him through every possible temptation that he could face in terms of losing his identity. The whole, life, the whole walk was about power. It was a temptation and exercise in power because Jesus could have responded out of his own self-interest but by turning the stone to bread by accepting the kingdoms of the world, by throwing himself off the pinnacle of the temple. That could have been, he could have exercised his own self-interest, but he chose not to. What was revealed was his highest value. What was revealed was the, the thing he valued most in life. What was revealed was the thing his identity was hooked up to, and that was God's words. He said, it is written. Most powerful thing that we as Christians can identify with is God's words. Somebody's words is going to dictate your life. It needs to be God's. Amen, amen. So what was revealed in us that God himself needs to occupy first position. What's getting revealed in us is that God needs to occupy first position in our life. We got some examples even of that. Job passed. His wife fell. Paul was asked three times about whether or not this cup could, this, this, this thorn could be removed from him. But it remained to keep him from being conceited. So God, he goes to God three times, says, Father, can you remove this? Father says, no. Three times. No, I needed to be there to keep you from being conceited. If you understand Paul's life, you know the potential of being conceited was present. What is being conceited? It is an, ex it is an excessively favorable opinion of one's ability. And so he kept himself from being conceited. And God kept him in a place where that couldn't happen to him, or hopefully it wouldn't happen to him. Why? Because he would have exalted his own opinion above anything. So that's the danger with Paul's life. Again, God has to be first in our lives. So the unshakable attribute of the life of Christ was identity. Another unshakable attribute of the life of Christ is idolatry. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. In all these examples I just gave you, we're talking about the removal of a thing 
something that does not need to be present in a person's life, it's called an idol. An idol. Look at what God says in his first introduction to the people of Israel. You shall have no other gods before me. Satan was banking on Jesus having a hidden idol in his life. Something deep, something that was not uh, obvious. He was banking on it. As if to get Jesus to operate by his own agenda. But all he got from him was God's words. So he left until a more opportune time, which means he left until he saw another opportunity to take advantage and hopefully have him trip up. This was another attribute of Jesus' life that was unshakable. Again, God shakes what, cannot be, what can be shaken. So what cannot be shaken will remain in your life. God is always concerned about the things that can be shaken, the things that he didn't give. Because whatever he gives can't be shaken. This is a pattern with God. I have found this to be God's pattern. And guess what he's doing right now? He's shaking. He's allowing some shaking to go on. I had a conversation this week with somebody. I said, you know, God could, could blow on this thing and it disappear. But it's still here. Amen? Some things we need to learn and pay attention to. We are in the midst of history. I didn't realize I was watching history the night I was watching Ali Frazier fight. And I'm a big boxing fan. I didn't realize I was in the middle of history. I didn't realize I was looking at history when I watched the news that morning and saw the towers coming down. I had no idea I'm looking at something that's going to change the world. We are looking at something. We are living in the midst of something that's going to change the world. We need to pay attention. Turn to the person next to you at home and say, pay attention. You got to pay attention. Pay attention. Like, like Rahm Emanuel said, don't let a crisis go to waste. <laughs> Got to make good use of a crisis, which means we got to learn something. We got to add something to our toolbox. And so here's a shaking going on. God is allowing shaking to go on. Why? So what can't be shaken will remain in your life. And you need to observe it. So we need to talk about this this morning and we need to go deep. In this verse, Exodus 20, verse 3, are the words of God when he's introduced to the people of Israel. The people were in a polytheistic culture, a mini-God's culture. God, Jehovah, was not gonna share first position with any of them idols in the nation he was bringing them to. And the Canaanites had a lot of idols, all kinds of idols. He is not sharing that position with anybody. What exactly is an idol? An idol, it is, it is anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give you what only God can give. Quote by Tim Keller. It is anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give you what only God can can give and we're confused about this because we see things to give us only what God can give this definition is also speaking about worship engaged which is called idolatry so the worship of this is idolatry an idol is something you get your identity from hang in there with me TC this morning Take good notes. An idol has power because it's given power. The power that an idol has is the power that you give it. Idols can be subtle or they can be overt. They can be subtle or they can be overt. Many times you are not aware you've turned something into an idol. Wow. 
A lot of times, we're just not aware of what we've done. We've transitioned something from second position to first position and turned it into an idol. And sometimes we're just not aware of that. We're just not aware that we're doing, we've done it. In both instances, they leave your life on shaky ground, whether overt or covert. They leave your life on shaky ground because your identity becomes hooked up to them and not to an unshakable God. And there's only one thing God tells us to do, like he told Israel. Either we do it or he has to do it. Either we do it or God has to do it. I love that about God. He gives us the opportunity to deal, examine ourselves, to do some self-examination and become self-aware of what we are doing. But if you don't do it, very often he has to do it. And this is what it does. He says the same thing to Israel. You shall tear down their altars and dash in pieces their pillars and burn their asherim with fire. Asherim was a pole that had a figure on it. It was called an asherist pole. They worshiped them. You shall chop down the carved images of their gods and destroy their name out of that place. This is a place that God is giving to his people. But he wants his people to deal with all of the polytheistic observances of the culture. Hang in there with me. Israel was told by God to tear down all the images that were erected in the lands they were about to enter. Why? Because idols cast an image which leads to worship. Idols cast images which ultimately lead to worship. You gotta make this connection. The people had their gods of all kinds in Israel. They were told to tear them down. Just like Israel then, spiritual Israel today. Just like Israel, physical Israel then, spiritual Israel today. And we're being told, tear them down. You got to make this connection. Tear down the idols of this culture. Tear down all of the stuff that we've embraced walking through this life. We haven't been giving a land, we've been giving a life. Walking through this life, just like them, they were uh, uh, strange people, they were people in a strange land, we are peculiar people to a new life. And just like them, we've got to tear down some things. And we're told, we are told this by God, now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. What were examples? The whole story is an example for us. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to party. Basically, preoccupied, engaged in life, but don't become an idolater. These things are written for our examples. History is intended to teach us something. History, his story is written for us to learn. To learn. One of the most powerful things God ever did, he did it in us first. What did he do? He made us in his image. Some one of the most powerful things. That's why Satan is busy trying to recreate his in us. All he is, is he, he imitates what God does. He looks at what God does and he tries to draw a parallel. Satan begins in the garden as a serpent. He ends up in Revelation as a dragon. Somebody in Isaiah said, is this the one that shook the nations? 
overthrew cities, wouldn't let the prisoners go home. Is this what we were afraid of? Why? What did he do? He casts an image. He knows how powerful an image is. Image is powerful. It is a powerful thing to create one, an even more powerful thing to destroy one. A whole world right now is built on a premise of images. People have jobs because they can build an image. Look at what it says. Images are so powerful that when we don't have the right image, we end with the wrong worship. Images are so powerful that when we don't have the right image, we end with the wrong worship. We got folks worshiping all kinds of stuff today. They wouldn't say that. They wouldn't call it worship, but they are. Because it's very subtle how he gets you to, to distract you and move you into another place. You think you're worshiping God. You don't have God in first position. He's not there. Something else is there. So we're here today to, to help you do some self-exam. Search your own life. Look at what you're, you're, you're exalting. It may be detrimental to your future. There's a whole lot of shaking going on right now. One thing I love is the fact my father does the shaking. Nobody shakes him. Are y'all hearing me this morning? The father does the shaking. Ain't nobody shaking the father. Hallelujah. I got five amens in here. I'm, I'm excited because I got five amens. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's good to have you guys. Your self-image can become idolatrous. Please take that note down. We got some folks, you know, it's amazing. When you hear people talk, they tell you where they are at. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth slips. So they tell you where they are. And I love hearing where people are. I love talking to them because I hear where their heart is. Self-image becomes idolatrous. You can be consumed with how you look. Wow. We can be consumed. Yes, everybody wants to look decent, but don't be consumed. There's an excessive observation of our image, of how we look. We got to be careful with that. It's easy today. We become driven by what we covet in others. You can be driven by what you see in somebody else's life and you covet it. Until the internet, it wasn't, we didn't have accessibility like we have to people's lives today. Are you hearing me? The most of what drives social media accounts, rising numbers of followers a person has is often driven by the followers who love that person but they see themselves in them. And they follow. Person goes right, they go right. Person goes left, they go left. Because they love what they see in that person. Idolatry is also tied to covetousness. We covet what we can't have and what we are not. We covet it. We want what we see. And Paul dealt with this whole attitude. He actually dealt with it from a different level because it had become uh, godlike to the Roman, in the Roman culture, in the Roman church. And this is what he says. Because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever Amen. They, they begin to worship the creature greater than the creator. Are you hearing me, church? Worship the creator, created thing greater than the one that created it. Now we, we can go deep with this, and we need to. Paul said to the Romans 
who were suppressing the truth of God in their lives, and they were willfully choosing counterfeit gods. The lie he speaks to here refers to idols, which are satanic counterfeits. Again, like I said, it's a very subtle thing, or it can be overt. Most of the time it's subtle. We don't know how we're doing it, and we don't even define it that way. There are times, and hear what I'm saying, church. There are times God releases people to that thing. They keep pursuing. And so when and if they wake up, they'll realize their need for him. There are times God, just like he did these people, he turned them over to a mind that was considered reprobate. You keep pursuing it, he'll release you to it. So that, so that an, enough harm will wake you up to the point where you can see yourself and pull yourself out of it. When God releases you to a thing, you're open. You're wide open. All kinds of things can hit your life. America, the world, needs to wake up and realize its need for the one true God because apparently he has released us. Wake up, America. Wake up, world. This is what he's saying. God says a lot in his quietness. He says a whole lot being quiet. Wake up. We've turned to idolatry. We worship self-images. We are redefining who we are, even though your physical anatomy is telling you you're a man. You're saying, I'm not a man. That's idolatry. All the idols have been torn down right now. Sports, you can't get to it. You have people, that, that, they be, they're literally becoming alcoholics because they can't watch football or, or, or whatever sport they're attached to. Whatever their idol is, their idol is dead right now. Are y'all hearing me, church? Understand what he's Understand what he's saying in the realm of the spirit, Christian. You're supposed to be smart. You're supposed to be the one that hears him. You're supposed to be the one understanding what's happening in the realm of the spirit. And to miss this moment is to miss your moment. And you don't want to miss your moment. This COVID issue is dealing with the world's idols. Just look at all of them that are torn down. And this is what he says. He's saying the same thing to us that he said to Israel. The same exact thing. Look at what he says. He, he will say, now where are their gods? The rock they took refuge in. The gods who ate the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their offerings. Let them rise up and help you. Let them give you shelter. Where are your gods? Where are they? They're not answering nobody. The only one giving an answer today is the God of Israel. The only one giving an answer today is Adonai. The only one giving an answer today is the Ancient of Days. The only one giving an answer right now is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Hallelujah. The only one giving an answer is the Alpha and the Omega. That's the only one. That's the only one that has the answer. Wake up, America. Wake up, world. He's speaking to us. He's speaking. I like the old Rocky movies. Rocky Balboa. All Rocky wanted to do was go the distance. That's all he said. Adrian. Adrian. <laughs> And I got two Adrians right now watching me. Guys, I'm not talking to y'all. I love you. Love you. Pastor loves you. <laughs> but this is Rocky, my best Rocky Balboa imitation. <laughs> if I can just go the distance, I know I'm not a bum. 
Did you hear that? If I can just go the distance, I know I'm not a bum. <laughs> now we can take Rocky's language and insert anything in there. That was the image in his mind. What's the image in yours? Because not being a bum drove him. You can take anything and insert it. Not feeling like a bum could be having money. Not feeling like a bum could be a position of status. Not feeling like a bum can be anything. You need to ask yourself, what is it that if I had it, I would, I would feel like a bum? Or what is it if I lost it, you would feel like one? What is it? You need to ask yourself, what is it if it was that thing that I had that I wouldn't feel like a bum? Or if I lost it, I would feel like one. What, what is that? What is that thing? What is that thing? There are things in our lives, we even, and hang in there with me, need to say this. We turn some of the closest things to us into idols. Namely, our children. We exalt the thing that was given above the one who gave it. And we do it very easily. And you guys that are parents that have a relationship, understand this. I'm in about the third quarter of the game right now, so I can speak to you. There's going to come a time when they leave and they develop their own families. And they will leave the two of y'all looking at each other, wondering what just happened. <laughs> because you built your life on those kids and not built a relationship together while parenting those children. So we turn them into little idols. I put a lot of children in the ground. I watch parents experience the loss of a child. I've watched some rise up and handle it as if they were stewards of what God gave them. Then I watch some destroyed because they turned them into idols. Watch what you turn into an idol. Be careful, because it's very subtle. It's very subtle. So how does God free us from idols? And I'm glad I said that, because it's going to help me segue into this next part. In Genesis, chapter 22, I believe it is, tells a story about Abraham and his son. And the text starts like this. It says, God tested Abraham. Remember, I told you there are times when God's gone, he's got to deal with these things in your life. He's got to make sure that you got him in the right position and he will test you, allow you to be tested. And so he says, he says, take your son and look at what he says, your only son. <laughs> He didn't have to put that in there. He put that in there for a reason. So you'll understand the gravity of what he's about to say. This is the only one you have whom you love. Look at all the emphasis he's placing on this statement. And go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. This is powerful. So Abraham takes his son, his only son, in obedience to God. He prepares the wood. He gets the donkey ready. <laughs> he tells his servants, come on. And he gets ready to go and sacrifice his child as God directed him. Wow. Some of us, if God told us to do some things with our children, we rebuke him as if we were hearing the devil. What he was about to do was initiated 
by God. He imitated what God did for us in giving his only son. We understand the parallel. That was at, this was a tremendous act of faith on Abraham's part. This separated Abraham from many other people. This spoke to God. This told God some things about the depth of this man's courage and his faith. Let me paraphrase for you what God said to Abraham. He said, it's all right, Abraham. I never intended that you should actually slay the boy. I only wanted to remove him from the temple of your heart that I might reign unchallenged there. Are y'all hearing me? I need to test you to make sure nothing else because what I need you to do for me is going to require me in first position and nobody else, not even a child. So he says, he says, I wanted to correct the perversion that existed in your love. <laughs> Did you hear that? I needed to correct the perversion, the, the small issue that existed in your love. Only God can see that kind of thing. Now you may have the boy sound and well. Take him back to your tent. Now I know you fear me. Seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. But I just needed to make that correction in your heart. That not even you knew was there. Oh man, are you hearing me? Are you hearing me today, guys? Abraham possessed one thing in this earth and one thing only, his faith in the Lord, his faith in God. He possessed one thing. God possessed him and he possessed God. That's why when we get to the book of Hebrews in the Hall of Fame chapter of faith, Hebrews chapter 11, and this is what it says. This is what it says. Abraham, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. It sounds like the same language Paul said of a city that can't be shaken. He was looking forward to the city that can't be shook, which means Abraham attached his identity, attached his whole life to God, which made him unshakable, which allowed him to do some things by his faith that was just incomprehensible to most of us. I mean, this man was powerful and it was written about him. Looking forward to an unshakable kingdom. So what do you have your, ho your horses hooked up to? <laughs> what are you attached to? What is it? Search your own heart. Make sure that what you have identified with is God. Totally, completely. You've wholesale sold out to him. There's nothing there occupying that space but him. Check your own heart. From your children down, go do inventory. Because this, these are shakable times. And we have a God that is shaking everything that can be shook. So what cannot be shaken will remain in us. Are you hearing me, church? And ultimately, this is what he's going to say. How many times has God, in the destruction of an idol in our lives, say, I told you to give me that? How many times when he's dealing with our lives personally and you hear his voice, he said, I told you to give me that? So give it to him today. Engage in the process called exchange. I give you, Lord, what I really can't carry anyway. So you can give me what I need to be carrying. Inside my heart, your kingdom. To thine is the kingdom. The power. The glory. Forever. Amen. 
Father, we bless you this morning. God, we pray those under the sound of my voice today, God. This is a moment in time. Moments in time don't happen often, but it is happening right now, and we're in the center of it. But God, there's some things you want us to learn in this time. And things we need to understand, some things we need to release, and some things we need to embrace. Show us, God. Show us the things that are going to become the cornerstones of our walk with you. Show us, Lord God, the things that are foundational to helping us build strong, faithful lives before you. And God, if these times don't shake us, I don't know what else will at this point. But I do understand humanity. And I do understand that even though you walk people through on dry ground, through oceans, hundreds, thousands of people through an ocean on dry ground, and they get to the other side and turn on you, that I understand the heart of human of this world. But I pray, God, that those who get it will get it. I pray, God, for those who will hear your voice, will turn, repent, and turn toward you, and ask you, Father, forgive me for what I've done. And even today, under the sound of my voice, God, I pray for those who are, who are with us online and in their various homes. God, I pray that they did not get distracted, that they heard your voice. And I pray that that person, God, that needed to hear your word this morning and come to faith and has accepted Christ today as their Lord and Savior, I pray for that person, God, even right now, sitting in their home. God, I bless you because you're able to reach us anywhere. No matter where we are, you can reach us. So I pray, God, even now, anoint the things that we've done and said and keep this, your word, ever before us. We ask it this morning in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I'm so glad that you with us this morning. I pray that you heard the word. I pray that whoever this morning God was speaking to and you came to faith because of what you heard this morning, just take a moment and drop us a line. On our website, there's a place that says, uh, did you pray with pastor? Just go there and drop us some information so we can get to you and release and give you what you may need to walk this walk with God. We don't want to leave you like a baby on the doorstep. We want to take responsibility for you and for your life this morning. So would you just do that? Let us know that I came to faith in Jesus this morning and I gave my heart to God. God bless you. I hope this morning you were able to get something from God's word. Right now, TC, we're going to honor God in our giving. So let's give God a good praise offering for that. We're ready to honor God. And I want you to take a moment and really, right now, just really, this is a really sacred moment. When I am home and, and, I'm, and I'm writing out my tithing or my offering and I'm giving it to God, I just make sure that I, that I pray. Even the first check that goes out from my salary is what I honor God with. And I, just, and I turn it into a sacred moment. Because everything I want him to have first position in everything in my life. And so today, let's just take a moment. Before we just start clicking and using our, 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 you can give by your cell phone, you can go to our app, you can go to our website. We know a lot of the places you can give, but I just want you to turn it into a sacred moment. When Abraham Melchizedek coming and, and, and doing battle, the first thing he did was give him an offering, a tithe. And so he set a pattern for us. We sacrifice our time. We sacrifice our lives. Everything we have belongs to God. And so today, let your giving reflect the space God occupies in your life. Your giving should reflect the space the Father occupies in your life. 
Let it do so this morning. Let's pray over the offering. Father, I thank you for the gift and the giver. Thank you, Lord God. In this house, we exercise faithful stewardship. God, I thank you, Lord God, that the right thing is being done with your finances. God, this is your finances coming from your people. So God, cause us to understand that we never insert ourselves in that space. We are the sheep of your pasture. And we give you what you've asked us for faithfully. So I pray, God, for every person this morning that you receive the offering as a worship in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you. Now the announcements. Good morning, TC family. Welcome. And a very special welcome to everyone who may be joining our home online service for the very first time. Now, if you want to stay connected with us, there's a few ways you can do so. You can download our app, or you can shoot us an email at info at truecenter.org, or just visit our website at truecenter.org. The Gathering, please join us. This is our interactive time of Bible study of the world. It's on Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. via Zoom. We have corporate prayer on Mondays and Fridays at 6 a.m. This is the conference call, so just go on the website, click on the events tab, and everything you need to get on will be there. Everyone, mark your calendars. We are relaunching Mandate and Women of Truth. Yay! <laughs> so on Saturday, June 20th, will be our Mandate event. It's Man to Man. It's at 7 p.m. The following Saturday will be our Women of Truth event, Woman to Woman. Now, both of these events are promising to be a great time of fellowship and reconnection. And I don't know about you, but I feel like we really need that right now. So I'm looking forward to seeing all of you there. What you're going to do to get on here is you're going to go to our website, click on the events tab, and go to the relevant banner. <laughs> hey, Kings Jewels! We have something new to each week on the website. In addition, this Sunday at 11.30, there will be a Zoom call for ages 7 to 13. So go on the website, click on your banner, and enjoy. Now, I am calling all of my competitive, critical thinkers from the age 5 to 18. We have something just for you. <laughs> that is right. We have the Kings and Castles Chess Club now. You can learn how to play chess from TC's very own Rich Nelson. He's been teaching kids how to play chess for years. We're so excited to offer the opportunity for you to learn how to play this great game while developing critical thinking skills. Now the club meets on Tuesday, May 26th at 5 p.m. Go on the website, click on the events banner, and you're all set. We are continuing to pray for everyone on our prayer list. So if you have someone you wish to add to the list, just contact our office at 516-621-3814 or send us an email at info at Now, if you have any questions regarding the announcements or any of our upcoming events, download our app or visit our website at truecenter.org. Remember to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And remember, family, to have an awesome day on purpose. Well, I want to say a couple of things to the house before we wrap up today. And um, so if you're visiting with us, make yourself at home. You can use the same word. It'll appeal to you as well. There's so much talk right now about getting back to the church buildings. I'm sure some of you have heard it and some of the things that are flying around, people are talking about. So you need to know our position right now. You need to know where we stand. I've got friends today who are so excited about their churches going back to their buildings today. And um, so I know the pastor's excitement. And um, I could share that because I missed our family being together. I miss, there's a power in our corporate gathering. It just is, you know. We, we can't get away from that. But TC, that's as far as our congregation will take it right now. Talk. <laughs> uh, just talk, not action. Um, we knew when to leave, and we will know when to return. Amen. And we'll know how to return. Uh, until then, while we're not in the building, we are still into building. I said while we're not in the building, we are still into building. And that's what we're doing, building the lives of our community, 
and the lives of other people that join us with our studies on Wednesday nights and our prayer times on Monday and Friday, um, our various meetings. I know the departments are meeting and they're praying with each other. Thank you, department heads. You guys are doing a great job. I'm, so, I'm, I'm just so proud of what you're doing when I hear that your team has met and I'm excited about that. Um, so just continue. Our up and coming um, men's meeting and women's meeting. So just please, let's remember um, our commitment financially to the Lord. Just because we're not here, we still have business to take care of. Um, we committed to the Lord's work. And TC, I can say through this whole period, you guys have been right on point. I appreciate God's grace over your life in that area. The commitment we have as his disciples is stronger than ever. Amen. Share the gospel with your friends, please. This is a the time. They're open to it. They're willing to hear you now. They're, just share. Ask somebody, can I pray with you? Don't be afraid. You never know what that moment will lead to. So share the gospel. The Holy Spirit is working on people's lives right now like never before. Share our services with your friends. Just send them the emails we send to you. And let them know. Log on. Be committed social ambassadors with us. We need you to be social ambassadors. Get the message out. Be what Jesus told you to be. And that never changes. We're still that. Even in a crisis. So you can invite family and friends. Wherever they are on the planet they can now attend your church. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. It doesn't matter where they are. So, no, we're not back, but we are very much together and praying and listening to the Father about the future of TC. Amen. Because it's bigger than just coming back to the building. Amen. So we, we're excited about our future. We're excited about what God is doing. And we're going to keep our ears close to his chest. Amen. All right, let's prepare to leave. Father, I bless you and thank you for the word, for the worship. Thank you for anointing Khadijah this morning to worship you in your presence. Thank you for the prayer that is going up, God. I thank you for every person online that has listened to us. Father, I know that your word has hit deep into the hearts of your people. Like only you can transmit the word. So we thank you today for your great grace on this house and on our community. Keep them, protect them, keep them safe, keep their children safe. Lord God, we praise you and thank you. And as the anointing oil was poured on the heads of those that led the body, let the anointing oil drip down on our whole community. God, I bless you today, and thank you for all that you're doing. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's say something powerful. By this shall all men know ye are my disciples, if you have love one for another. Bless you. Have a great week.